stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Was about 10 days ago, just before receiving multiple consecutive life sentences, Joseph D'Angelo became known as the Golden State Killer, finally broke his silence, uh, spoke directly to victims and victims and members of their families. Uh, There were gasps in the court gallery as he offered his apology for what he did years ago, decades ago. Uh, The case of the Golden State Killer goes back to the 70s and 80s, at least 13 murders, dozens upon dozens of break-ins and rapes. This was uh, a suspect who was known by a few different nicknames. It was actually crime writer uh, Michelle McNamara that gave him the name the Golden State Killer. And it was due to her work, really, in a lot of ways, that the case was thrust back into the forefront and ultimately solved so many years after the fact. Uh, She wrote about this case in the book All Be Gone in the Dark, which was just recently an HBO miniseries. But tragically, Michelle McNamara passed away before the book was complete. She didn't live to see a suspect identified, a suspect arrested, and eventually Joseph D'Angelo admitting to all of this. Uh, But she did so much to, to, as I say, make a difference in this case. And and for a lot of people, she really is kind of the dean almost uh, of this true crime genre, which you look around at books, websites, podcasts, there is a real fascination with that. And even those who were not just passive consumers of all of this, but those who were more active in becoming so-called citizen detectives and working to crack some of these cold cases. Now, someone who's been involved in all aspects of this, as a uh, crime investigator himself, a true crime writer, his own book, Chased Darkness With Me, and was brought in to help finish Michelle McNamara's book, I'll Be Gone to the Dark, after she passed away, uh, is Billy Jensen. And he joins us on the line here this afternoon. Billy, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Much more, by the way, chasedarknesswithme.com. But let's talk about uh, the case of the Golden State Killer and and just, you know, the emotional roller coaster of all of this, I would imagine, Billy, and, you know, the passing of Michelle, but seeing the case finally break open and then having that moment in court where this guy, you know, admits to it all and apologizes to the victims. Yeah, you know, it was the definition of, of bittersweet. Um, you know, Michelle worked so hard on the book, and then when she passed, my first thought was, you know, how can I help? And, and I knew her family would be taken care of, her her daughter would be taken care of, but I just told her husband, I'll do anything I can to finish this book and help finish it just because it, I knew how hard she worked on it. I knew how hard, how good it was going to be. So, um, you know, when things just, everything just sort of fell in line, you know, it was her... People always ask, was it her book that solved the crime or helped? And I said, no, it was really, it was her article. And then, unfortunately, it was her passing that really thrust this idea of who the Golden State Killer was into the forefront of people's heads. And after she passed, they added, you know, more resources to the case. They added a new reward. They added a bunch of things that um, that weren't there before. And, you know, it's been... You know, it started off when he was first caught as being very, very surreal. We were all in the same uh, room together uh, for the first time. Everybody that helped finish the book, myself, Paul Haynes, our researcher, Pat Oswald, uh, and um, 
her husband and Gillian Flynn, uh, all her family was there. And then we got back to the hotel, and then five hours later, we hear he's in custody. So it's been a whirlwind uh, for the last two years. It really has. Now, was was that the beginning of your involvement in this case when you were brought in to, to finish the project, or is this something that, that you'd had some involvement in previous to that? Uh, you know, I was friends with Michelle, you know, and we would talk about, we would go out for a drink or, you know, or, or go out to lunch every month or so. And she would talk about writing the book and talk about the case and ask me some questions. And I would talk about the cases that I was working on. So that was really my extent in it. Uh, sort of a passive observer, but then, you know, when she passed, I became more of an active participant. It's clearly something that, in, you know, in a lot of ways came to consume her, right? I mean, just, you know, wanting to solve this mystery. And, and maybe that's kind of the inherent p- appeal of some of these cases is uh, an unsolved murder, or in this case, multiple murders and multiple rapes, that it just feels like unfinished business, like there is justice that, that is waiting to be done and, and justice denied in a way. Um, it was obviously something that impacted Michelle uh, to a great extent. Do, do you find the same thing yourself? Do, do you find yourself getting immersed in, in these cases as she did? Absolutely. Uh, you, you know, one of the things I do to guard against, I have a lot of irons in the fire. I have a lot of cases that I'm currently working on and a lot of stories that I'm currently telling. And uh, she just had the one. So when she would, when she would hit a roadblock or a brick wall, or a rabbit hole that seemed like it had no end, uh, it really did affect her a lot. And, you know, when I hit those rabbit holes and, and, and brick walls, they're still, they're still devastating. But, you know, a lot of t- I'll jump over to another one. But, uh, you know, she was just, for about those four years, she was just focused strictly on Golden State Killer. So those, uh, you know, and I was there when she thought she had something and thought she might have solved it and got close to somebody and then, but I didn't see the sort of the come down. I didn't see what happened uh, after she learned that uh, it was a dead end. So how did you embark on this path uh, as, as a journalist then and, and you know, starting to write about crime and, and then evolving more into, you know, a, a citizen detective an investigator of sorts, what was it for you? You know, for me, you know, growing up on Long Island, New York, there is a lot of, of weird crime. Uh, they were, I was just sort of surrounded by it all. You know, my father was a, uh, a an ex-con who turned his life around. He had his own painting business, and he would, every day, he would read stories about, you know, the crimes that were going on and then and tell me about them, and then we would watch the news together. And that's how I was, you know, that was my everyday occurrence, and uh, it kind of just got it got into my head. And once it got time to, um, you know, choosing a career path, uh, you know, you can't make a lot of money writing about unsolved crimes. You know, I just, mm-hmm. I decided very early on that I only wanted to write about unsolved. So I had to get a day job. You know, you can't just say, Oh no, I just want to write, write about unsolved. And in fact, I've had a day job every year up until this year. Uh, this is the first year that I've been able to say, you know what, I don't need to, I don't need a day job anymore. Um, but, uh, because it's just, uh, you know, you're, you're telling stories with no endings and you want to solve them. And that was what happened with me is after 17 years of writing stories with no endings, telling unsolved murder stories, no matter how well they were written, they always didn't have an ending. I just got fed up and I said, you know, I'm going to, I, I saw a video of a guy getting attacked on the street in Chicago. And I said, I'm going to solve this one myself. And I was able to do that and identify a perpetrator. And it's sort of, it's kind of snowballed from there. 
it's interesting too because I think for you know the police officers and law enforcement agents who who work on these cases and and it's something that sticks with them when they you know come up short and they're not able to solve the case and they're not able to go back to the families and say well, you know we caught the guy who did this. I, I mean it 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 obviously doesn't sit well with them, but I, I would imagine that there's some mixed feelings about the idea of the citizen detective and and crowdsourcing you know the research on some of these cold cases. What, what's been your experience in in speaking to law enforcement and how they feel about this? It's a mixed bag. You know, you have some police that will just say, you know, I can come in and say, hey, I've come up with a system like I write about in Chase Darkness where, uh, you know, I've, I've figured out how you can reach the most amount of people with using social media to help solve these crimes. Some of them go, yeah, whatever. Some of them go, oh, we have a we have a Facebook page, which isn't the point, And I explain it to them. And some just really get into it and are like, wait a minute, this is a great idea. And it's those that you kind of, you know, you get a working relationship with, and those are the best cases to work on because it very much is like a partnership and you're in it together. But, you know, it's, it's a mixed bag. It's all over the place. And, you know, once, uh, you know, nobody wants to, it's easier when the crimes are older. If it's a newer crime, if yeah. it's within two years, you know, you know, there's a, there's a lot of egos involved. There's a lot of stuff that just at the end of the day, someone's life was taken and that person is still out there potentially taking another life. You can put egos aside. And if somebody has a piece of information that is helpful, you should listen to them. And hopefully more and more police are, you know, nobody wants, wants somebody to come in and say, Hey, I'm, I'm doing your job for you. But uh, you know, it, it's the one job where life is literally on the line. If there is any job that people should be accepting other help, it should be this one. Right. And look, I mean, I can see on the one hand how, you know, if we got situations where people are taking it upon themselves to interfere with evidence or to start knocking on doors and interrogating people, that, that things can go sideways. But, you know, uh -huh. as you say, I mean, you found unique ways of, of kind of challenge, you know, channeling, um, you know, the, the initiative of people who care about these things and crowdsourcing uh, these investigations. So is there a line there then between responsible and irresponsible citizen detectives? Absolutely, yeah. And I, I, re, I roll out the rules, and I'm also on a podcast called The Murder Squad with Paul Holes, who's my partner in the podcast, and he's the one that actually solved the GFK case, the Golden State Killer case. And we, we say the rules after, at the end of every episode, and the first rule is don't name names in public. You know, Don't mm -hmm. say, I think it's this guy, and post that on social media. Uh, don't do a side-by-side -side picture comparison of somebody that you might have seen. Uh, you know, We saw this a lot with the murders of the two little girls in Delphi. Um, hey, this looks like this guy, or what about this guy? You know, that's that's a no-no, and that's the place where people get in, in trouble, and investigations can go sideways. We saw that with the Boston bombing investigation. It's just not a good thing to do. So we are very clear with that every episode, and I was very clear in the book that you just don't do that. If you have information, you know, send it off to the authorities. If the authorities don't do anything with it, then you get loud. You start talking to the press. You know, um, it, you know, don't just think that the authorities are going to do something with it, because a lot of times they might not. Um, there are other avenues to do it, but you have to you can't just go out and say, hey, this is the guy uh, when you don't have the proof. Yeah. Well, and there's that side of it. We, we talked about, you know, the the um, well, the darkness of it is, I mean, the, as the book explains, Chase Darkness with me, um, that we are talking about. You know, cases where, where people have been killed and, and you know, the, these are tragedies and there are a lot of dark and disturbing details associated with a lot of these cases. Um, 
But at the same time, too, there is that inherent need for closure, the need for justice, which I think does resonate with people. But what, what's your sense of, you know, why there seems to be a real explosion in recent years of, of fascination with true crime? You know, I think it started with the podcast. It started with Serial. And I think Serial captured a lot of people's imaginations. And then, um, you know, for me, somebody that had written about unsolved murders for so long, knowing that there was a podcast out there that wasn't going to have an ending, I thought was really helpful for what I do. Because people were going to be like, okay, they're, 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 they want to look into it themselves. They know it's not going to be wrapped up in a, in a tidy bow, which is what you would see on all the TV networks. And, uh, you know, the the appetite was there. And then you had shows like Making a Murderer and The Jinx. And mm-hmm. and you had a lot of, you know, older cases would come back and people, you know, like talking about the older cases like OJ or John Binet. And um, it's just very something, it's something that is very, uh, you know, people like to figure out puzzles and people like to create order out of chaos. And that is what, this sort of inclination for true crime and the true crime genre feeds into. The book is called Chase Darkness With Me, How One True Crime Writer Started Solving Murders. More Chase Darkness With Me. People can find you and follow you on Twitter at Billy Jensen. Billy, it's been great chatting with you here today. Thank you so much for making some time for us. Thank you so much. All the best. Uh, That is uh, crime writer, author Billy Jensen. Again, his book, Chase Darkness With Me, and uh, we mentioned as well Michelle's book, I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Uh, that uh, Billy played a, uh, cle- uh, played a key role in completing, as Michelle had passed away before the book was complete. Um, yeah, along with, uh, as mentioned, Patton Oswalt, who was um, Michelle's husband, and researcher Paul Haynes. And uh, yeah, if you, you saw the um, uh, the HBO documentary about the case and about Michelle's book, that one of the people who features prominently is uh, this uh, police officer, uh, Paul Holes who himself dedicated a lot of his own time to the Golden State Killer case. And, and he talks quite openly about you know, his shifting view on this idea of, of citizen detectives or journalists solving murders. Uh, because he was initially very skeptical and very resistant to talking to Michelle McNamara, sharing information with Michelle McNamara about the case. But eventually that became a very close working relationship as they continued investigating uh, these murders and rapes and sharing information and eventually getting on a path that, that led to a uh, suspect being arrested. And as mentioned, Joseph D'Angelo uh, has admitted to these crimes, has apologized in open court to these crimes, and uh, received multiple life sentences. And, yeah, I mean, look, the details are, are very disturbing. You know, this was somebody who would wear a balaclava, break into homes hold people at knife point, tie people up. He would rape women, in some cases repeatedly, linger in the house for hours, go into the kitchen, open the fridge, help himself to food and drink. And a quite terrifying experience, obviously. And then that escalated to murders. And this went on for quite a long time, and then just suddenly stopped. And there were all kinds of different theories about uh, who might be responsible, but ultimately, nobody was ever arrested and charged up until just a couple of years ago here. So I think, you know, the mystery of unsolved crimes, even going back to remember uh, Unsolved Mysteries, the TV show, it's not a new fascination with, with true crime. I, I think with different media now, there's, there's different ways to tell those stories. And certainly the podcast genre has, has opened up a lot of that. 
even our own colleague uh, Nancy Hicks and her Crime Beat podcast uh, has become a, a, a huge hit here in Canada, right? So there, there's certainly that appetite here in this country for these stories. And there's certainly Canadian stories to be told. And unfortunately, uh, some very tragic unsolved homicides in this country. So, yeah, I mean, and, and that's one aspect of the story about Michelle McNamara that's, that's so, so tragic, is just how this case came to, to consume her. You know, and, and you, you see her in, in the documentary, and she was quite open while she was alive in interviews about, you know, the nightmares that she would have and just, you know, how haunting some of this would be and how challenging it was to, to just take a break from all of it. Because then you're just constantly thinking about it. And in a case like this, there, there are a lot of disturbing details that you can never really fully put aside. So there, there's that, that downside to it. But ultimately, these are crimes that affect people and affect families and affect people for the rest of their lives. And the idea that somebody did this and is still out there, it's, it's not something that sits well with people. And so I think the idea of not just being the passive uh, observer or consumer of all of these stories, but wanting to get involved, wanting to make a difference, maybe by scouring the internet, you can find some kind of detail about something that might possibly lead to a breakthrough in a case. And not just that fulfilling, you know, some sense of justice, but, you know, the, the empowerment of, of making a difference. So there's certainly that side of it, too. So we got to take a break here. 403-974-8255 is the number. We are back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.